Welcome to a Christmas podcast. There's stories in this that I've told you before. Some of the stories are very old, but then Christmas is very old too. One story is kind of painful for me because it's about a flight in our little airplane that my lady Wonder Wench and I used to do a few nights before Christmas, and we'll never be able to do that again. But oh, what a memory. I'm Dick Summer, and it's time to say goodnight. This is a quiet place to rest your head. A safe place to hide a hurting heart. A gentle place to fall. We just call this place goodnight. We're all looking for Christmas. And some of us are looking in the wrong places. Just figure that out. This year's most popular Christmas present, according to the papers, are widescreen TVs and cars. Wow. Pretty stylish, Santa. And I must admit, if something like that were to show up under my tree, I would not say, no, no, Santa, that's way too materialistic. Take it back. Give me a little toy truck. Peace on Earth and the sound of a little child's laughter. But... You know, some of the presents that I remember best weren't really very expensive. I went to a Catholic grammar school, and the last day before Christmas vacation, Father O'Connell would come around to all the classes and give everybody his little cardboard box with a picture of Christmas wreaths on the outside and sticky green and red candy on the inside. The candy was awful. You could use it for a weapon on the playground. You know, but like holding a roll of quarters in your fist. I think the school must have bought it by the truckload every 10 years and stored it in between, but it was the most magnificently delicious candy because it meant Christmas was really coming. The year I turned 10, Santa brought me my own portable radio. It sure started something going in my life. I turned it on that Christmas, and I don't think I found the off button until about five years later. It was a, a dollar watch one year and a puppy from the pound that we named Whistle another year. That was a lesson in growing up when Whistle was hit by a car a couple of years after that. One year, my mom made Wonder Wench and me a couple of her secret recipe apple dumplings for Christmas. A couple of years ago, she gave us the two very old framed pictures from her own living room. One of them was a picture of my dad when he was this handsome young guy. The other was taken when she was a beautiful young woman holding her first baby. That was me. Mom left us that spring. Merry Christmas, Mom. Give Dad a kiss for us. Wonder Wench and I have a, a bit of a, a custom. Well, we have a lot of customs, but one of the things is we always put our tree up the Sunday before Christmas. And just unwrapping the decorations is kind of a present. We take our time with that because... Most of ours have seen a lot of Christmas Eves. It's a little Santa doll that has to be nearly a hundred years old. It comes from her family. It's kind of tall and gangly, little like her father used to look. And there's a finely crafted German Christmas ball that once hung on my grandfather's tree in Germany. But the decoration that will be unwrapped most carefully again this year... Just a jagged star has been at the top of our Christmas tree for a very long time. I cut it out of cardboard and I wrapped it with Reynolds wrap a long time ago. Now, obviously, 
every tree needs a star on top. And we didn't have enough money to buy one at the store that year. Who would have thought that it would still be with us after all of the kids and the jobs and the moves and the laughs and the tears? There's something very comforting about the ritual of putting old decorations on a Christmas tree. It's like your parents and your grandparents and friends that you haven't seen in a lot of years and may never see again get to wish you a Merry Christmas one more time. My friend Dick Stadlin takes a lot of pride in wrapping his Christmas presents. He does it enthusiastically, if not very well, like most guys. Dick claims you can't be a cynic while you wrap pretty paper around a box just so somebody else can tear it off a little while later. His lady Diane doesn't give him a hard time because she loves him, even though the results of his wrapping often look like green and red spitballs. Dick says if there had been wrapping paper at the first Christmas, the Gospel of Matthew would have said, and lo, the Magi's gifts were inside 600 square cubits of paper, and the paper was festooned with pictures of Frosty the Snowman, and Joseph was going to throw it away. But Mary saith unto him, Holdeth it, just a minute, that's nice paper, save it for next year. And Joseph did roll with his eyeballs, and the baby Jesus was much more interested in the paper than in the frankincense. The Salvation Army volunteers are out again this year, and they're, they're making their music. Some of them bravely blowing their trumpets and trombones right into the winter wind, and some others just ringing a little bell and, and smiling. They don't do it for pay. They do it because they love Christmas. One bitter Boston winter, a long time ago, Salvation Army rescued Christmas for a very little girl. Her dad was out of work. Things were tight for her and her mom and her brothers. Well, that little girl is all grown up now. She's beautiful. She's graced my life for a long time, and I love her very much. So, for taking care of my lady long before I could, thank you, Christmas. My dad was a church choir master in Brooklyn. He had more than 40 men and women in his choir and a whole bunch of kids. And he made it a point to have people sing carols from their family's country of origin. Remember a rather hefty soprano lady by the name of Anna who worked in a card shop. And she sang Carol of the Bells from her native Russia. Skinny little Jack who did graphics design. He sang What Child Is This? Because his family came from England. The only time I ever saw my proud, tough old German grandfather cry was one Christmas Eve when Dad had the choir sing the second verse of Silent Night in German. Stille Nacht, Heilige Nacht. My grandfather left his home in Germany shortly before World War II. He saw Hitler coming and he wasn't having any of what that meant. Stille Nacht brought him home for a moment. His tears were bittersweet. That's the way it is sometimes when you get to go home, but it's only for a moment. It's always good to go home, even if it's only for a moment. Grosspapa, we called him. He was a good, loving, hard, proud man. And he didn't hide the tears when they came. 
He just stood there with his head held high and sang along. Stille Nacht, Heilige Nacht, going home, having a home to go to. Thanks again, Christmas, whatever you are. You know, one of the things that they don't talk about very much having to do with Christmas is tears. Big boys don't cry, you know, but big men do. And that's part of Christmas, too, some tears. Joseph couldn't have been overjoyed to have his wife give birth to a child in a stable. And childbirth is never an easy thing for any woman or any man who loves his woman. So tears belong in Christmas. And any of you guys who think that's unmanly, I give you one statement from the Bible. It's the shortest statement in the Bible. It just says, Jesus wept. So go ahead, duke it out with him. And lots of luck. And Merry Christmas. My dad was a church choir master in Brooklyn, New York, and he took his whole choir all around the neighborhood during the week before Christmas. Folks looked forward to it all year long. Whole blocks full of people would gather around the choir, and mostly they'd sing along. Christians, Jews, Muslims, Buddhists, pagans, even the atheists. All kinds of people lived in our neighborhood in Brooklyn. And they all sang, and they all smiled, and they all wished each other very much peace and goodwill. Christmas and Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Solstice was all there. Mixed up in the music and the smiles and the warmth of standing close together in the cold night. Music and being close together, that's a big part of whatever Christmas is. When all those people gathered together to sing with Dad's choir all those years ago, the Christians, the Jews, the Muslims, the pagans, even the atheists, I don't, I don't think many of those people were really thinking about Christ. And they sure weren't thinking about shopping. They were just standing close enough together to, to keep warm in the cold Brooklyn night and singing and laughing and sometimes crying for reasons that nobody ever had to explain. What a feeling that was for me, standing right next to my dad. I sang baritone, he sang bass. Dad's gone now, but not completely. Is that feeling of standing next to him and singing is still right here with me. It's mixed all the way down deep in the music of Christmas. My lady and I went for our traditional just-before-Christmas flight in our little airplane the other night. We have a little four-seat airplane that flies low and slow. Our friends all think we're out there looking for Santa Claus, but we're not. I guess you could say we're looking for gold, and we got lucky again this year. Our little airport's just a few miles west of Philadelphia. And as usual, on a cold, clear, almost Christmas night when my lady and I got there, it was dark and deserted except for the white runway lights and the, the blue lights along the taxiways and, and the spotlight on the windsock. So we strapped ourselves in, fired up the engine, and climbed up into the black-and-white magic midnight. If you heard a small plane engine late the other night and you looked up and you saw small wingtip lights playing in the stars. That might have been us. Moonlight was shining into the cockpit, and 
The city's Christmas lights were sliding under our wings. Those city lights were Santa Claus bright. You'd almost hear the ho-ho-ho and the hustle and the crowds and the music and the parties going on down there, but we weren't looking for Santa Claus. So we turned out over the suburbs, and the lights got gentler out there in the neighborhoods. And instead of the city hustle and bustle, you know, the jingle bell sounds, you, you get houses carefully decorated with Christmas lights. And you get a feeling of, of carols playing on stereos and, and fancy paper wrapping around personal presents. And cups of hot chocolate with cold whipped cream. And, and kids trying to pretend they're really asleep. And then a little farther out, we floated over some farms, mostly Amish. Real candles in the windows there. A few horse-drawn wagons down on the streets. You could see their lanterns swinging from side to side on those dark roads. It's almost like flying backward in time. It was quiet. So very quiet. My lady was sitting in the right seat, looking like a lovely little girl in the moonlight, just wearing those big co-pilot headphones. And she was smiling and crying at the same time, and that's, that's when she did it again. She said, thank you for this. I love you. And as quietly as the sound of ancient angels... The black and white midnight turned into Christmas gold. Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. A 
Hey, by the way, there's still time to get your Christmas stories in to dick at dicksummer.com. Most of them will be up on the blog at dicksummer.com. Look forward to hearing from you. Okay, time to tuck you in now. I'm Dick Summer, and I hope you'll come back soon for a gentle place to fall. Quiet place to rest your head. Safe place to hide a hurting heart. Nice and easy now. Couple of deep breaths. Come on. There you go. Just one more. That's better. All the way to sleep. All the way to sleep. Good night.